right. Starting at verse 9, Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cleanse to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay you, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Let's bow our heads for a quick prayer. Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for just being such a blessing to each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, to have the opportunity to experience your presence and walk in you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for stepping in when we don't deserve you to step in for having grace upon us, for giving us, Lord Father, the ability to love other people and to be able to have the discipline to love our enemies. Lord, as pastor come up here today, I ask you to allow your word to be spoken through him in a way where it touches us and it transforms us and it gives us the opportunity to be better people and to be able to follow your will. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone. I'm glad you are here, and it is a blessing to see you here today. Um, I just want to tell you, I love you guys, and I'm excited, as always, to share today's uh, message with you. Uh, I don't want any of you to panic. I'm going to actually do a couple of things a little different. We're going to be taking up our offering at the end of service. And so uh, we'll do that at the end of service. And we're also going to do something that we don't always have an opportunity to do. And that is we're going to open up the altar of prayer towards the end of today's message. And that will give you a chance if you have something that you would like to pray about kind of at the end of this particular um, uh, sermon series and teaching series. We're going to be giving you the chance to pray about whatever is on your heart today or whatever has been on your heart over the last couple of weeks as we've tackled the idea of relationship status. 
And so I'm going to be talking a little bit more from today uh, as the final message in this particular uh, particular teaching series. And it's going to be coming from that passage of scripture from Romans chapter 12. We'll be referring to that in just a moment. But we're going to talk a little bit about where we've been first and where we're talking from today, the idea of conflict and dealing with conflict. So let's begin by kind of telling where we've been. Over the last couple of weeks, this is where we've been. We talked in the very first uh, week about the hope chest, the idea of having hopes and dreams and thoughts that you would fulfill in my life. And, you know, I'm giving you all of these things that I'm hoping for and hoping that you will be the one who meets all of these needs and uh, aspirations in my life. And we talked about how difficult that can be when you're on the other side. It feels a lot like expectations when you're on that opposite side. And then the second week, we talked a little bit about the idea of communication and connecting with people. We talked about the five different levels of communication, beginning all the way down at cliche and going all the way up to a deep connection and empathy. And then um, we talked last week about raising kids and talking a little bit about that. And it was very uh, much something where I said, hey, I don't have all the answers, but there are a lot of things to share with you. Well, one of the things that I want to share with you and begin with today is a passage of scripture that has changed my life, but you probably wouldn't know it. And as a matter of fact, I was probably 20 or 22 years old before I realized this passage of scripture changed my life. If you know anything about me, you know that my dad is also a pastor. Uh, he didn't exactly have the Warden June Cleaver thing growing up. As a matter of fact, my granddad, who has since passed away, was uh, a guy who uh, was never necessarily interested as much in what he had at home as to what he could find out in the other places. He was not concerned with what he had, but what he didn't have. And um, so my dad grew up and he had a lot of anger and a lot of frustration, a lot of hurt that came spilling out of him. And in this passage of scripture from James chapter 1, verse 19, it changed and transformed his life. You know, my dad probably could have become a very, very different person than the man that you would know today if you had an opportunity to meet him. He is one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Probably if you were to give me a list and say, who are your heroes? It would always begin with Jim Puckett, my dad. And uh, I would just simply say that my dad is my hero, but probably would not be had he not been transformed by the word of God. My dad was a very, very angry kid and teenager, but this passage of scripture became something that he realized he could put in his life. And every time he felt angry, every time he wanted to lash out, every time he wanted to be the person who responded in a way that had, you know, kind of come from a place of anger he would quote this passage of scripture to himself. And in the process of doing this, he changed his entire attitude and outlook by saying, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So my dad did that all the time whenever he felt tempted to lash out. And here is why I share this at the very beginning of today's message. I want to be talking today with you about the idea of conflict. And I wish I could tell you that you can have a conflict-free relationship. But to be honest with you, the only conflict-free relationships that I know of are the ones that are really surface level. If you have a real relationship, a real relationship is going to be something that involves conflict. 
As a matter of fact, I have heard Max Lucado say a thing that I believe with all of my heart. Conflict is inevitable, but combat is always optional, right? Conflict is inevitable. If you live with someone for a little while, you're going to have conflict with them. But combat, the, the place where you destroy one another and do everything that you can to tear the other person down, that is always optional. Now, I know that today I'm talking not only to teenagers, but also to parents. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to people that are married, single, and everywhere in between. But the concept here is, is that you will have conflicts at work. You will have conflicts with your uh, extended family. You will have conflicts with your spouse if you have a spouse. You will have conflicts with your kids. And if you haven't yet, that probably means they're still in diapers. Can I get an amen, right? Okay, so the truth is, is that you will constantly have to deal with conflict. The question is, how will you deal with conflict? And I just want to say something else. You and I probably tend to think that the really good relationships are the ones that don't have as many conflicts as ours. What's crazy is, is that Dr. John Gottman observed different couples and he found this crazy thing. He found that couples had about the same level of conflict no matter who they were or what kind of relationship they had. The difference in a good relationship and a bad relationship was not the amount or the level of conflict, it was how they dealt with it. I'm going to say that again. The difference between a good relationship and a bad relationship, according to a scientist who observed these things, is that he found that how you dealt with conflict was the thing that determined whether or not your relationship was good and whether or not you would make it. And so we've got to be very careful that we don't tell ourselves the lie that, hey, the good relationships out there are just not like mine because I've got a lot more to deal with than they obviously do. Now, I know that it's not always the same for everybody and different seasons for different people at different times, no doubt about it. But I'm here to tell you that if you tell yourself it's not your fault, you will never actually fix the relationship. And Rick Warren one time said, as long as you're busy fixing the blame, you will never be able to fix the relationship. And that is so true. And so for us, we have to be very careful that we don't go down that path and down that downward spiral. And you guys have all seen this. I've shown this almost every single week, the downward spiral. And we've all been there where it seems like everything that we say doesn't build up. It always just takes us down the same problems and the same path that we've been down. So you don't want to get stuck in this downward spiral. But I want to remind you of something as Eric read this passage of scripture from Romans chapter 12, this is the same passage of scripture that talks about how we're supposed to live our lives as living sacrifices. And you've probably even heard this passage of scripture, but I want to do something right now today. I want to talk about the fact that you and I have so much to learn from this passage that we've probably zoomed through and never even paid attention to. The truth is, is that God has given us some incredible relationship principles and conflict management and resolution principles in this passage of scripture. I underline them so you wouldn't miss them. But here is what I want to do. As we begin to look at these in just a minute, I want to do something, you know, kind of uh, connected to this something to learn. God gave us conflict resolution skills, but most still act in the moment and then look to repair the damage after it has been done. And here's what I mean by that. You and I, we don't have a problem knowing what to do. We have a problem knowing what to do in the moment that we need it most. Can I get an amen on that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I'm supposed to be nice. It's just that when I don't want to be nice and I'm really upset, that's when I forget how to be nice, right? Right? 
I mean, you and I, we know this. I know I don't want to say things that are hurtful. I know I don't want to lose my cool and get angry with my kids and lose my temper. I know I don't want to raise my voice so they think I'm angrier than I actually feel. But when I'm not feeling that way, I'm good at it. When I'm in the middle of the problem, that's when I'm not quite so good at it, right? You probably understand. As we look at this conflict resolution list that God gave us, look at how powerful it is, but also look at how difficult it is to do in the moment when we need it most. Let's check it out. Let's begin in Romans chapter 12. It says, honor one another above yourselves. And we do that most of the time, or we try to do that most of the time, until we get in an argument or have a conflict. And then it's every man for himself. What about number four, verse 14? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I'm not going to talk about whether or not you curse in the middle of your uh, conflicts or not. We're in church. And I don't want you to add lying to cursing. Amen? Right? So here we go. You bless those who persecute you, and you might even be pretty good at it until you're in the middle of the conflict. And then buddy, I can't believe you said that to me, or woman, I can't believe you said that to me, and you come out both guns blazing because, hey, if they said that, then it's all on the table, right? This is how we do. Let's go to the next uh, section here of Romans chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Oh boy, we're good at that. You know, we try to be nice, try to be nice until we lose our cool, and then we give them evil for evil, and usually we give them evil plus one. Can I get an amen, right? That's the truth. We give them evil. Well, you said this, so I'm going to hit you right back where it hurts and then give you a little extra sauce on top, right? Okay, so if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And can I just be honest? This passage of scripture right here, I think most of us would love to just say, well, that's what I did. I walked away. Yeah, you walked away in stone-cold silence and didn't, didn't speak to them for three straight days. Is that really living at peace with people? No. It's you and I trying to justify that we're not living according to God's conflict resolution. We're living the way that we want to because in the process of it all, we lost sight of God's ability to change us if we'd live according to those principles. And then this last one, do not overcome evil uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And again, I say to you, the thing that I began with today from James chapter 1, God's principles are supernatural. And what you do and what I do in the midst of the difficult times, it is very natural. <laughs> I'm just doing what comes natural. You swing at me, I'm going to swing back. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt back. You go there, I'm going there too. These are the things that we do naturally. I'm talking about a relationship that is characterized not by the natural, but by the supernatural. And if you have not clued in, just understand that with God's help and God's principles and God's power, you can do this. And I'm going to just be honest with you. You probably have done this one time out of 10, right? You, you actually did the right thing and you had a mature attitude and you didn't lose your cool and you didn't blow your top and you didn't say that thing even when it came and you, it was so clever and you really, really wanted it, but you just held it back, you swallowed it back and you told them later, said, you know what I wanted to say, you know, and y'all are able to laugh at it, but you know what I'm talking about. You're able to do it about one time out of 10, but one time out of 10 means you're losing nine out of 10 times, Right. And so for you and I, when we're in the midst of conflict, that is when we need to call out to God most and when we need to lean on God and lean into him and his power rather than our own. 
I, I wanted to share something with you. I think you guys will definitely recognize some of the things that are said and done and how it is all kind of transpiring. This movie, this mini movie that I'm about to share with you has always spoken to me pretty deeply. So let's check out this mini movie. It's called The Fight. You come out here to talk about parenting styles? You know we have a sensitive daughter, Jace. She cries when you look at her sideways, never mind the tone of voice you use with her. Sorry I haven't read as many parenting books as you, but maybe she just needs to learn to cope. Not getting to read a book before bed is not the end of the world. You use the same tone of voice with me. Sometimes you cry when you don't get to read your Kindle at night. Me, I'm more of a Netflix guy, so it's really not Stop. a... Stop! Okay, just stop it. Everything is a joke with you. I feel like we're not communicating anymore. Okay. This is about us. Oh, you, you communicate great. Yo, know, the way you undermine me, all the time in front of her, and in front of everyone for that matter, our, our friends, our family. You cut my legs off at the knees and it's emasculating. You do that all on your own, Jace. We're supposed to be rubbing off on each other. We're supposed to be finding the good in one another. Yeah. Not just you affecting me. So what am I missing? I feel like... Like I'm the one doing all the bending. I know how much I've changed what? over the years. Are and if you, you kidding just... me? You're, you're doing all the bending. You are. You used to. When we first got married, everything was just so... We were different. We were... We were kids. What are you not saying? I'm just saying... You never want to talk about us. Well, that's calling the kettle black, isn't it? Coming from the person that makes indirect comments about everything I say and do because you're so afraid of conflict? Why don't you just come out and say it? I'm not like you, and that's the problem, right? Well, surely I'm of some use to you. You're not just here for my benefit. I'm here for you, too. I'm just telling you that you could just And I'm telling you I'm not your father. Sorry. I love you. I love her daughter. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm not your dad, and I'm being punished for the way he treated you, and it's not fair. Right. So I guess I'm just some poster child for daddy issues. All in one sentence. Congratulations. I'm glad we got that settled. That's not what I said. You misunderstood me. I'm going to bed. We used to assume the good. We used to... We used to see the best in each other.
Well, that one is already, or I've already seen that one a few times, but it has always spoken pretty deeply to me because it just seems so realistic. And probably now would be a good time for me to just admit to you that um, your pastor and the pastor's wife, we still fight. We still argue. We still have difficult times. Sometimes for weeks, we're not on the same page. And sometimes that even has stretched into months. Shelly, don't you dare say amen. I know what you're thinking right now. But when she says, whoop. <laughs> Good thing that doesn't make the, uh, the stream today. Well, the reason I share that with you is because I think we find other people and we say, well, they've got it together or they're doing okay or they're not having problems. Most of the time, that's not true. It's just a question of timing or whether or not you're seeing the whole story or not. Shelly and I, in December on the 28th, will be married for 30 years. 30. I know y'all are clapping for her, and I get that. I understand. Here's the thing. There have been times where we didn't know if we were going to make it. And I share that with you, not to try to get emotional or anything of that nature. I'm trying to share this with you to tell you that there's good times on the other side of the difficult ones. And that conflict has to get resolved. And sometimes it just has to be managed. There's a man named Andy Stanley that said this. He said, there are some problems that are there to be solved and there are some that are just simply tensions to be managed. You know, I'm never going to make Shelly happy-go-lucky and outgoing. And she's never going to make me introspective, quiet, and to myself and administrative in my thoughts. That's just not who we are. But God put us together because all of the things that I lack, she does. And all the things that she could use a, a help or a shot in the arm on, I'm able to help her. We make an amazing team together. But that is not because we are alike. It's because we are incredibly different. And sometimes the very things that the opposites that attracted are the very things that drive you the craziest. So you got to clue in and reach down and say, this is not something that I give up on. This is a conflict that I bring through. So very quickly, you saw this probably in the video, the idea of the concept of four possible outcomes to a different conversation that you have. Maybe you're dealing with your kids, maybe you're dealing with your spouse, but there's four different outcomes, and they're right here. You can go for a lose-lose result. That is kind of what we saw in the video. You hurt me, well, here I come back to hurt you. And both of us walk away from the conversation losing or maybe you're a person who powers up and you say, you know what, I'm going for it, man. Today's the day, nuclear option. I'm going to hit that one thing that I know is going to crush him. That one thing that I know is going to crush her. And you do that and you win and they lose. And then the next time you flip-flop and you know that you shouldn't have done that. So you don't this time, but they go nuclear option on you. And it's back and forth with you winning and I lose. And then you lose and I win and back and forth like that. But here's the truth. You and I are supposed to be going for a win-win result. And can I just tell you something? With your kids, you can always find a win-win. 
You always can find a win-win with your kids and still be a good parent. You can still be a parent who's told them the right way to go and taught them the right way to go. But you have to try a lot harder than when you're just simply saying, you do what I say because I'm the parent. No questions asked. I win, you lose. And can I tell you what I've seen? I started to say a thousand times. That's an exaggeration. But can I tell you what I've seen a ton? I've seen a ton that in a relationship, one person says, I win. I win, I win, I win. And then the other person leaves the relationship. And that person that won is looking around going, well, what's the problem? You know what it actually looks like most of the time? I'm going to tell you what it actually looks like most of the time in a marriage. The wife knows something's wrong. So she begs the husband to go to counseling begs them for months and sometimes even years, and the husband says, no, I'm not doing it, no, I'm not doing it, no, I'm not doing it, and you win, you win, you win, you win, you win, and then the wife says, I'm leaving today, and I'm taking the kids, and the husband goes, well, why can't we at least go to counseling? And the woman says, I wanted to do that a year and a half ago. I talked to you all the time, and you always won, and you always got your way. Well, now I'm done. And they've got nothing left. And they end up going their separate ways. That's usually how it happens. I've seen it a lot. Not a thousand times. But I've seen it a ton. And that one person that kept winning thought things were going well. But the person that was losing kept losing pieces and parts of themselves constantly. And then it was too late. All right, so here's the deal. I want to talk to you today about a concept that you and I are pretty familiar with, and we're going to shift it into a relational setting, okay? You guys with me? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Let's just imagine something. Let's imagine that you have a bank account, and you have $100 in that bank account. Now, I know that you're not the person that has ever had this happen to them, but let's just say that your friend has had an overdraft at least once in their life, right? And you wrote a check that was more than your bank account balance your friend did, right? Can I get a name, right? You know what I'm talking about. Your friend did. So here's the deal. If you have $100 in your bank account and you write a check for $300, tell me, is that check going to bounce, yes or no? Yes. The check bounces, right? They're like, I'm not paying $300 if you've only got $100 to back it up. Well, what if you write a check for $150? Is that check going to bounce, yes or no? Yes, of course. So let's go a little deeper. What if you have a $100 balance and you write a check for $101? Is it going to bounce, yes or no? Yes, it is. You guys do know something about this. I must have talked a lot to your friend. All right, so here's the deal. What if you have a $100 balance and you write a check for $100 and one penny more? That thing is still going to what? Like a a bad beach ball, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Why? Because you are overdrawn. You can go to this line, but one step past this line, whether it's a whole lot Or a little bitty amount, it doesn't matter because you're overdrawn. Now, here is how this works in your relationships. We all have deposits that we get and that we give. I come home and I say, Shelly, man, you look gorgeous today. Cha-ching! Deposit. And she says, you don't, you look like you just rolled out of bed. Have you washed any time this week? Bomp, bomp withdrawal. 
Never happens like that, but let's just go with it, right? Withdrawal. So deposits are positive, withdrawals are negative. Now, let's make this what's happening in your relationship. We've talked about Dr. John Gottman and how he said there's a magic ratio of five deposits to one negative. Five deposits to one thing. But here's the deal. You can make big deposit after big deposit after big deposit and have a huge emotional bank account. I I don't have a big bank account, but I would love to have a big emotional bank account because here's what I know. I have three daughters, and they're learning their way in this world. And when I tell them something that will avoid a huge mistake or a huge problem, I want them to listen. Do you know how I get them to listen? By building the relationship before I ever write the check. Building up the bank balance before I ever need to write the check. You guys follow what I'm saying? If y'all got it, say amen. Can y'all say really good if you really got it, amen? So here is your assignment. If you have a kid that you can't connect with, go to the bank and make a deposit. And here's what's beautiful. I, I think I left it over here. I tell you guys this all the time. I can make an emotional deposit in my kid's account today. I could do it right now, but I'm supposed to be preaching, right? I could send them a text, and whenever they're ready to hear it, they can see it. It's right here. But here is the problem, and here's why I went all the way down to 100.1. If you ever get that stony silence, if you ever get that emotional distance, if you ever get that don't touch me thing going on, that tells you that more than likely... You have written a check that you can't cover with your deposits. So you better go back to the bank. You better keep making those deposits. And you better keep reaching to those people as much as you possibly can. And it doesn't have to be big, but it had better be consistent. Because all of us can see through it when you go, I'm going to say five nice things and then I'm going to hit you square between the eyes. I haven't said a nice thing about you in months, but today is the day. And then I'm going to hit you hard with this. Nobody buys that. We all see through that. So here is how we avoid conflict. You go to the bank on the regular. And you make the deposits in their emotional bank account on the regular. And then when you actually need it, it's already there. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so very quickly, I want to just talk about this concept, and, and I'm going to mention it, and I can't, I can't go into it, but I will tell you that it is a whole sermon series all by itself. It is a whole book that you can read by Dr. Gary Chapman. It is called The, the Love Languages, and if you are interested in understanding why you may be trying to reach to somebody and it's not making any kind of impact at all, this is how. Maybe your son is a person who needs to hear from you the words of affirmation, but all you're doing is making a breakfast and showing them that you love them by being up and packing their lunch. And, you know, that's nice, but it's not resonating with them. Do you guys understand the difference between something really, really resonating with you, hitting you right where you live? Or maybe you have a husband whose love language is physical touch. And trust me, if you have a husband, his love language is physical touch. Men, stand with me on this one. Amen. Physical touch. We need it more than you do, ladies. And so if you withdraw from that uh, area of our lives, we read that as discontent, as rejection, as disrespect, as somebody who you don't want to be close to. 
And so that pushes us further and further away. And so this is a, a whole message series in and of itself. And I would just tell you that you normally give to other people what you want to receive back from other people. If you're a person who constantly does something to serve someone else, and that's the way you say that you love them, then that's probably what you want back. is isn't always that way. But most people have a primary and a secondary language. You find out what your kids are, and you begin to resonate, and you begin to make your connection deeper and deeper, and those deposits start counting up and multiplying rather than just being small additions. All right. I go on and on, but here's what I want to share with you. My time is running short. We're going to hit these things, and we're going to hit them quickly. This is the first idea and the concept. Avoid and eliminate conflicts. Here's what you can do. You can have conversations and not conflicts. You can have conversations and not conflicts. How many of you have ever had a conversation that turned into a conflict? Can I see your hands? Right? Don't point at the person that you have had that happen to, but you know what I'm saying. I learned how to do a little bit better in this area from a guy. Maybe you know who he is. Maybe you've heard of him or read his books. Have you guys ever heard of this guy right here? <laughs> Peter Robinson. Here's what Peter told me, and it stuck with me forever. He says, state your intent and your intensity. State your intent and your intensity. Here's what he was trying to teach me and what I tried to learn. In other words, if you're just talking Say, now listen, I'm not saying this is what we are going to do, but I'm just talking about something. And you know what? I'm not going to just live and die on this hill, but let me just talk through this because it's been on my mind. Well, whatever you say now feels different than if I think you're trying to convince me to do something, right? So you state your intent. I'm just talking. And your intensity. If we don't do this, I'm going to cut off my pinky toe. And, you know, like that's when you know, hold on, this is a different level of intensity for sure. Right? And so you state your intent and your intensity. And then in the middle of a conversation that's starting to turn toward a conflict, you go, whoa, 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 hold on just a second. Are we just talking? Are we brainstorming? Are you saying this is what we should do? Yeah, I, I'm saying this is what we should do. Well, is this something you're living and dying on this hill? I, I don't think so. I'm open to something else, but. I think this is really what I want to do. Okay, well, let's just hear it and then we'll talk through it. State your intent and your intensity. With me? How do you avoid and eliminate conflict? The second way to do it is this way. You keep the relationship that you value first and not a victory in the moment. All of those things that I talked about from Romans chapter 12, all of them piling up. You can't always win and have the relationship win as well. You have to think win-win in conflict. That means you and I have to deal with each other in a little bit more of a mature way than we want to. You keep the relationship that you value. And I talked about this a couple of weeks back about the idea of don't statements where you say, no, 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 hold on, hold on. It seems like we're getting worked up, but I don't want you to misunderstand. The most important thing happening here is for you and I to come away with a decision that we both agree on, not for me to win, not for you to lose or you to win and me to lose. It is the relationship. And let's keep talking. And even if it's a week or two, let's talk through it long enough to find something where you win and I win and we all win instead of one of us losing. Right? And so this is the deal. You keep the relationship first and foremost, and then you worry about a victory much, much, much later, and you worry about a victory together. All right, very quickly, 
We talked a little bit about this. We talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and, and here's how you know that you're not doing win-win. When it's all criticism, it's all defensiveness, it's all contempt, well, you always, you, you know what, this is just like, I can't believe we're back at the same place that we always are. You can never seem to let this thing go. Like contempt just coming out like a volcano. Like that happens. Or even worse, where you're like, are you good? Mm-hmm. Well, do you have anything that you feel like you need to say from your perspective? Mm-mm. It seems like maybe you're still a little up. Mm, mm, mm. But you're not going to say anything because you think you're being the hero. And men, I had your back a little earlier, but now I'm coming after you. We do this. We do this most of the time where we stonewall and we stop and we punish with our own silence. But here's the problem. When you punish somebody with your silence, they take that as contempt And when you think you're being a hero for not saying the thing that you almost said, what you're doing is you're pushing them away and treating them like you don't have any desire to be a part of that relationship anymore. So you got to be really, really careful. These things, if they're really, really present in a relationship, get serious about taking care of that. All right, so very quickly, um, Ephesians chapter 4, it says these words, Ephesians chapter 4 Instead, speaking the truth in love. So that means that you and I, we can't walk away. We have to actually speak the truth in love to one another. We can't run and do the silent treatment without us being opposite of what God is trying to teach us to do and how God is wanting us to relate to one another. And then it goes on and on. And by the way, there's no mistake that the word mature is in this passage of scripture because the truth is, is sometimes we are acting so immature towards one another. We treat some of the most important people in our lives the way that we would never treat anyone else. That's a problem. Very quickly, um, Simply saying you're sorry is not enough. Simply saying you're sorry is not enough. If your apology has never actually touched your heart and changed your heart, they know it. How many of you have ever been given an empty apology before in your life? Can I see your hands? How do you know? Well, you just know. You can tell. And, and if by chance your apology has a big butt on the end of it, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry that that happened and I really didn't mean to make you mad. I'm really sorry about that. But the problem, if you've got a but on the end of your apology, it ain't an apology. Not anymore. If you can't say I'm sorry full stop, then it is not an apology. And some of us are really good. And I'm going to raise my hand here. Because what I like to do is explain things. No, no, babe. I'm not excusing it. I'm explaining it. And she's like, whatever. (laughs) Right? Because this is what we do. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. But let me tell you why I hurt you. That does not work. Until your apology says, you know what? I'm very sorry that you're hurt. It touches my heart, it touches your heart, and it feels the same on both sides, then it probably is not a real apology. And simply saying you're sorry doesn't work, pushes you apart. All right, so very quickly, 
How do you avoid and eliminate this fourth thing? Is that you let God help change your heart. You let God help change your heart in a conflict. I have had this happen to me even in the middle of a conflict, so I know that it's possible. I've been able to say, I am full bore, I am all in, I am aggravated to the core, I'm doing this thing in this way. And then God got a hold of my heart, and I did a 180, and I was crushed. Now, it doesn't happen nearly as often as it probably needs to. I'm not trying to act like I'm some guy that's got this all down. But it can happen. It's happened in my very own life. Where I'm just like, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm going to win. And then Shelly says, but this is what you did. And I'm like, that's true. That's what I did. And it just changed everything. Like God got a hold of my heart. Not He used her words, but it wasn't about her. It was about God said, that's exactly where you are and who you are and what you did. And it just shut me down. It can happen. It can happen, but it's not easy. It's a supernatural thing when it does happen. So what we have to do is put ourselves in the principles and the power of God, especially in the midst of that time where you feel that thing in your gut, you feel the hair standing up on the back of your neck, you feel your leg getting heavy, you feel your mouth getting dry, you can feel this thing coming, this dump of adrenaline, and you're like ready to go, and you realize, I've got to chill out, and I've got to say, God, have your way in this thing. Don't let me use my words and ruin something that doesn't need to get ruined. Help me to keep you in mind and the other person in mind. This is how we do it. So very quickly, I know we're time crunched here. Here's how you apply. Which one of these principles do you need the most in your conflicts? Connect before. We talked about making that deposit in the emotional bank account. Keeping calm in the midst of. Or maybe that person that just says, you know what, I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to still communicate. And let me just be very clear. I didn't mention this, but I had mentioned it once before. I want to be very clear about something. In your relationship, you can pull the ripcord if you're not very good. You can pull the ripcord and say, we can't talk about this now. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Or whatever we're going to say from this point is not going to be productive. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step back and we'll take this up tonight. Or we're going to take this up tomorrow night when we've got time to actually talk this through when we both can cool down. You pull a ripcord and you can do this as a parent too. You can tell them, you know what, I can't deal with punishment right now because I'm afraid I'm going to do it in anger. I want to do it the right way. So you leave and you leave me alone and nothing else needs to be said. You go, I'm going to figure it out and I'll come and get you when I'm ready for you. Like this way you don't lose your cool, do something that you will regret, say something that you will regret, and you keep yourself calm in the midst of it, and you don't go to silence instead. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground, but here is what I want to share with you as a story to end, and then we're going to open up uh, the altar in just a moment, and whatever you have on your heart, whether it's this relationship stuff or something else altogether, we're just going to take just maybe three, four minutes just to come up and spend some time in prayer. But here's what I have for you as we end. You guys know that there has always been this tension that's managed between labor and management. There's always been this idea of the big guys on, who owns the businesses and the people who actually do the businesses. You know, this is kind of this back and forth tension, and it always 
always has been. As a matter of fact, even Bernie Sanders and he's doing this thing. It's a live town hall meeting. Like it's at the forefront of what's going on still to this day and always has been. I want to tell you a story about this. There was a strike that happened and the labor, the people on the labor side lost And they came back to work with nothing gained. They just lost their paychecks for the weeks that they had been off. And so they were very frustrated. They had lost their position. They had lost their money. They came back to do their jobs, but they were not happy at all about it. And the whole morale of the whole plant just tanked. They had management hating workers, workers hating management, and went back and forth, back and forth. The people who wrote the book Crucial Conversations that we've talked a lot about did this exercise. They said, listen... Workers, workers, go into that conference room. You're going to find a whiteboard, and I want you to list all the things that matter the most to you as workers. And then management, management, I want you to go into this conference room. You're going to find a whiteboard, and I want you to write down all the things that matter the most to you as management. What does a great job look like? What does a great job look like? And so they went their separate ways. They wrote it down, and almost every single person in the, the meeting had a chance to write down what they wanted. They all came back out into the meeting room and they said, here's what I want you to do. Management, go in their room and look at their whiteboard. Workers, go in their room and look at their whiteboard. You guys know where this is going? They went in there and they could not believe that that list could have been in that room and that list could have been in that room. Because we cared about the same things. We just disagreed about exactly how to go about getting it. It was not a problem to be solved. It was a tension to be managed. For you and for me, if we're constantly desperate to win, we've missed the point of what relationships are supposed to be about. They're supposed to be about mutual benefit, about win-win It's supposed to be something that builds and feeds you and builds and feeds me. This is what relationships are supposed to be. Naturally, it doesn't happen, but supernaturally, we can. I don't know about you, but I want my relationship with my parents, with my kids, with my wife, with the people that I work with, all of the people that I know, friendships, I want them to be supernaturally touched. I want to have great relationships, not ones that barely get by and are constantly frustrating. That can only happen not when we do it my way, but when we do it God's way. God's principles, God's power for God's people. Heavenly Father, as we end our time, I pray that you would just speak to us and draw us close to what you want us to do. The things that you desire and see and want to see in our lives, Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves to that and not just be people who desperately want to win and have victory, but instead, Lord, that we would have real victory, the kind that brings glory and honor and builds up those who are around us. God, bless us with these things rather than those things that we thought we wanted more. And I pray that you would bless us, Lord, by simply giving us eyes to see where we have been wrong in the middle of this. So as Nain is playing, we have these open areas here. You can just kneel wherever you'd like to kneel. But I'm going to ask for everybody to just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We don't open the altars a lot, but 
it is an opportunity for you to come forward and say, you know what, I really do want to see a difference and a change in my life, or I really do have this need on my heart, and I want to share that today. So if you're not coming, that's okay. There's no pressure, but I do know that some of us really appreciate the opportunity to come and kneel before God and symbolically say, God, I'm laying myself at your feet knowing that it's not about me, but it's about you. So if you feel that way and you want to come and take just a few moments and pray about something, pray about this relationship series or a relationship that you know you're having problems with, or you want to just simply come and dedicate a relationship in some way, today's your day. So would you just come? I'm not going to belabor, but if you would like to come, now is your, ch- uh, now is your time and now is your chance. You can come on now. Anyone here today wants to just come. Thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. As always, I feel honored and privileged to be able to share with you each and every week from God's word. And whatever you face and whatever you're dealing with, God is able. And God's principles and power are available to us no matter who we are. I'm always available to connect with you. And if you have something that you'd like to share on your EHC Connect card, you can do that. Uh, And uh, you can leave that in the offering plate as it's just about to be passed. Or you can leave that in the pillar as you walk out the center door on the right-hand side.